What's going on, y'all? Um, welcome to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. So as is seeming to become a pattern, today I will be talking about what it is that I wrote a blog about this morning. Um, So if you don't know, you can find my blog at forliberation.wixsite.com forward slash website. There's no uh, spaces or caps or symbols of any kind in that. Um, So you can find my latest blog on there called Opportunism. The masses cannot be blinded. And uh, so for context, uh, the Met Gala was the other day. I would assume most people don't pay attention to shit like that. Honestly, everything to do with celebrities seems like a fever dream to me. Like, whenever I hear about these events that they have or the things that they do, it almost seems like it's made up um, by just, like, some really fucking sarcastic asshole who is just trying to find the things that would be really annoying and frustrating to people who actually care and who want to see things get better and they just kind of spit in our faces. Um, One of the ways in which this was done was pointed out to me by my partner this morning um, and also by TikTok and Twitter uh, that actually this happened yesterday, yesterday morning, I think I would, either yesterday morning or this morning, I was made aware of this dress. I think it was actually yesterday, because I'm pretty sure I put something on my Instagram story yesterday. But my partner reminded me of it this morning, so I decided to use this as an example to once again discuss opportunism. But we're not going to just simply discuss opportunism Um, We are going to discuss the difference between form and essence um, and see how some of the pretty common buzzwords that we use, like freedom, democracy, revolution, um, violence, etc., all take different forms and all have at their core a different essence. We also can take into account discussing different forms of government style, um, which all, at least in our current day and age, uh, in the United States, take some part or another in upholding the status quo. And this is why it's important to understand not only form versus essence as an abstract idea, but especially in the real-world context that we will be um, witness to and we will be um, needing to make sense of. So for those of you who don't know, AOC wore a dress that was painted 
uh, with red letters that said tax the rich. And then there was this other person, and I think their name is Kara, Kara something, but they wore a t-shirt that said peg the patriarchy. Now, cool slogans, right? Um, honestly, you know, not bad messages, not bad messaging at all. However, we need to look at the surrounding context in order to understand why these are forms of opportunism, why these are uh, attempts at what we might call depoliticization, and how we as Marxists and as communists need to be using each and every opportunity like this to be able to make clear in the eyes of the people how the ruling class does not actually care about their well-being. It only cares about appearing like it cares about their well-being. So first and foremost, when we say the ruling class, we mean the organized coalition of the elite groups within society, the upper social strata, um, who dictate the laws, legislation, uh, governance, economy, and social formation of the society that we live in. This ruling class is also in control of the political sphere, meaning that, again, wherever there is opportunity to change the way the world, or I shouldn't say the world, but change the way our society functions, there is an individual or a group within that place of power which has at its core a want to pursue ruling class interests. AOC and this other person wearing these performative clothing uh, wearing this performative clothing side note you listen to my podcast often why am I so bad at English (laughs) anyways um, AOC and this other person's performative clothing is exactly that it is performative now why because there is no politicization behind that there is no organization beyond this vague messaging. Someone like AOC is actually one of the most perfect examples to use for opportunism that most Americans will be able to understand. This is because AOC came into government on a socialist platform. Her and Bernie, to different extents, but use this word socialism quite loosely. Now, they very rarely go into defining what socialism is. So let me do that for them. Socialism is when the majority of people, the masses, the working class are in ownership of and therefore in control of what we might call 
the means of production. It socializes the means of production. Real quick, the means of production, just as the name might suggest, is that everything that is needed to produce and distribute a commodity or a good of some sort, all of that is encapsulated under the term means of production. That means all of the resources, all of the mining tools, all of the transportation equipment, all of the refineries, and especially all of those who are laboring in these places, all of those things fall under the private ownership of a few wealthy ruling class elites. Socialism is the turning of this system on its head. And rather than having the rule of the few over the many, socialism is an attempt to eradicate inequality by first placing the few who formerly oppressed the many under the suppression of the many. Therefore, the majority of people will now be in direct administration of and participation within their government, politics, economics, and social issues. It will not be up to a select few representatives or the dominant ruling class individuals and groups who will be deciding for us how society, its economy, its government is to operate. That job will now be handed off to the working and oppressed people. Opportunism comes in many different forms and flavors. But the way in which AOC, along with the rest of the squad, has been able to capitalize in their own way is by using these vague ideas of popular change of what they refer to as socialism in order to reorganize the ruling class into a new and appropriate form. During the absolute days, the absolute monarch days, There is examples where kings and queens had to capitulate and reform themselves to allow liberal civil rights, to allow things like parliaments. This, however, did not put the people in charge. It gave them the idea that they were in charge. It gave them the idea that things were changing. With 
without necessarily changing the base, the essence of the society. So what is the essence of our society? The essence of our society today is twofold. However, that twofold is directly connected. I just want to show us how the two sides of the coin distinguish themselves. So you have what we might call the finance capital side of the ruling class. And you also have what we might call the military side of the ruling class. These are the two ways in which since the age of imperialism, the capitalist and ruling class powers have been able to continue to dominate society. First and foremost, finance capital. Now, this is quite uh, perfectly expanded upon in Lenin's The Highest Stage of Capitalism, or Imperialism, The Highest Stage of Capitalism, um, where he describes the onset and the early days of finance capital. Now, finance capital is the use of purchasing power in order to begin to dominate and dictate the markets and production as well as distribution and consumption by the world economy. This is done uh, under a finance capital model by using... I'm trying to use the language so we don't get it confused. Within the United States, we might understand finance capital by looking at how folks like Henry Ford or uh, Woodrow Wilson um, and other wealthy capitalists, J.P. Morgan, Rockefeller, how they used their money to purchase majority, you know, in the early days, it might have been purchasing a majority stock in a company so that you have the dictating voice through your majority uh, uh, ownership of the shares in that company, you then get to decide what they produce, who they produce it for, who they sell it to, what they sell it for, um, as in price. In other ways, it is done similar to folks like Monsanto or the United Fruit Company, where they actually directly take control of the labor force of a country, where finance capital, foreign capital, becomes more involved in the creation and administration of the local regional economy. So if we are in Russia in the 1800s, finance capital is all the money that the United States capitalists are sending over here 
in order to build factories, in order to uh, purchase labor uh, and goods to be sent to the United States to be sold for a higher price, um, in order to get resources that they then can use in their own factories. This is a way in which finance capital is used to dominate over the markets and the labor force of a foreign country. Now, of course, military force is quite more easily understood. It's military force through different forms, whether it's assassinations, whether it's regime change, whether it's military occupation or uh, constant bombardment of drone strikes and uh, missiles. military force is the other way in which imperialism is acted upon. So imperialism then needs to be defined as well. And imperialism is quite easily understood as a foreign nation dictating or dominating the market, the economy, the labor force, and the means of production within one's own country. So a foreign country dominates the economy of my own country. Somebody else dominates this country's labor force, economy, etc. That is imperialism. And imperialism, of course, like we've been discussing, takes many forms. But its essence is the same. And the essence of imperialism is the developmental stage of capitalism wherein capitalism needs to reconquer the world. The early conquering of the world by folks like the British Empire, the Dutch, the Spanish, the uh, Italians, the Portuguese, um, the French, the Germans, early colonialization from, say, the 1400s through to the 1800s. That is the early stage of capitalist development. That is broadly what we might consider the period of primitive accumulation, where only, 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 only the strong military forces and colonial powers were the ones able to Uh, make a profit, able to hoard wealth, and able to build up their own ownership of the world's economy and means of production. That is primitive accumulation. So that's imperialism, that's colonialism, that's, or I should say that's cap, yeah, that's capitalism, that's colonialism, and that's primitive accumulation. So imperialism is Once the established powers kind of maintain dominance over the economy, eventually they needed new markets to conquer. Capitalism was not just something that could stay within their regional or national borders. Their markets slowly but surely got to uh, solvency, where their profits were not enough. They were producing and producing and producing but they weren't making an incredible profit anymore. And in some cases, we were having collapses, recessions, panics, uh, whatever else we want to call it, where overproduction would happen, meaning we produced 
more than could be sold. So what happens then? What, what happens when capitalism begins to eat itself from within? Well, it has to look outside, outside of itself. So how does it do that? Well, it starts recapturing markets. It starts looking outside of its own region, outside of its own locality, and begins to, again, through finance capital or military forms, consume and control those foreign markets. So why is this important to opportunism? Why is this important to the discussion about AOC in her fucking dress? Why is this important to the discussion that we are having right now? Well, the ruling class powers of yesterday and of today have one goal in mind, and that is the development and progression of their own interests. Now, what is of interest of the ruling class? Well, you have to first ask yourself, again, what is the essence of this society, this class society? And what is the essence, then, of this ruling class power? Well, we know since we live in a capitalist and imperialist society, since we live within the imperial core of the world's largest empire, we know that the goal of the society today is not only power, but profit. These two things feed themselves back and forth. With more power comes a need for more profit, and with more profit comes a need for more power. You have to be able to defend the power that you have. And in order to defend it, you have to have money to build up your army. In order to build up your army, you have to have money. And in order to have money, you have to have a power that is capable of either creating its own money, creating its own wealth, creating its own profit, or taking it from someone else. So what are we doing today? We're taking it from someone else. So this ruling class of the United States, of Canada, of France, of Britain, of Portugal, of Spain, of Italy, of all these capitalist powers, those who are in control of the world market. So rather than seeing a majority of their GDP going to loan servicing, These countries see a majority of their GDP going into the pockets of the corporations and the wealthy elites, as well as the military contractors and weapons manufacturers. That's the difference. The ruling class feeds itself, whereas the working class feeds the ruling class. So the ruling class powers of the world, again, have one interest, and that is their continued rule. Because their continued rule means that they can continue pursuing their own interests. Wealth accumulation. This is a capitalist society. A capitalist society requires continued growth. It requires continued consumption. It requires continued profits. All of which, again, feed into oneself. AOC and her dress, as well as her vague and other performative actions, 
such as her ideas for a, quote, Green New Deal, serve as the perfect example of opportunism. Because here we see the use of almost all the rhetoric on the left, even their very slogans, while not building a political force capable of acting on that rhetoric. That is opportunism. We as revolutionaries and we as communists must know that the only thing that can change the society that we live in today is a force powerful enough of overthrowing the ruling class. Because it is the ruling class and their organization and their continued domination and oppression of the working class that continues to create the society and perpetuate it as it stands today. We cannot ask then for our oppressors, those who have placed chains on our necks, on our wrist, and on our feet. Those who have created a system where in order to eat, in order to have a home, in order to have a job, in order to be able to survive in that very society, you have to work. You have to labor. Now, does all of that laboring, does all of that work mean you're going to live a perfectly uh, uh, provided for life? That because you labor and work 60% of your life away, that all your needs as a human being, like food, like water, like shelter, like clothing, like healthcare, like education and other things will be provided for you? No. Because in a capitalist system, right, things are only done for the profit of the wealthy few. It would be idiotic, right, if all of our work, if everything that we labored for was properly compensated to us and therein we were provided the very things that we need by our society. Because if this were the case, well then where does the power of the ruling class come from? If we're well fed, if we are sheltered, if we are organized and we are getting the the full Uh, uh, um, compensation for our labor there is not such a huge wealth gap there is not a domination of the property classes over those who do not own property there is not such a domination of the the jobs in the career market over the army of reserves of unemployed people The relationship of oppression is what is necessary for the exploitation of the masses. The masses have to be under constant threat of either political, social, or economic repression in order to follow suit in a system where, again, we labor for 60 to 70, even now today, 80% of our lives. Yet many of us cannot afford a home. Very few of us have health care. Most of us, when we retire, 
might have absolutely no hope at providing for ourselves unless some form of social service comes along that begins actually providing for our retired, our elderly, our disabled, not just simply perpetuates their poverty, perpetuates their dependency, but creates a system where they need not be dependent. They need not be dependent on a ruling class which when they fail a drug test or decide to get married will revoke those services, but a system which bases those services on the human necessity that those services are required for. Opportunism is the attempt to confuse all of this, to create a sense in the masses of disorganization. This disorganization can come in many forms, but its essence is the same, to keep the ruling class in power. So we've discussed a lot of things. We've discussed opportunism. We've discussed form in essence. We've discussed AOC's stupid fucking dress. We've discussed sloganeering. We've discussed what revolution and revolutionary action means. We've discussed how the ruling class is in existence for its own interests. We discussed how those interests and that ruling class system is kept in power through imperialism, how imperialism is made up of both finance capital and militarization, how those two sides of the coin serve the same purpose. So what do we do with all of this? Well, first and foremost, we as Marxists, we as communists, need to continuously point out the inconsistencies and the contradictions between the rhetoric and the actions of the opportunists. We need to show how AOC's dress does nothing to actually shorten the gap between rich and poor. Opportunism and pointing out its existence is the difference between understanding that AOC's Green New Deal is in fact a set of vague ideas based still on the domination of the few wealthy elites over the resources and labor force of not only this country, but the whole world, and understanding that, in fact, we need something more. We need something like the People's Agreement of Cochabamba to actually effectively combat climate change. Understanding opportunism creates the difference in political organization because with sloganeering and actions like AOC's dress, like AOC's broad conception of a Green New Deal, like AOC, the squad, and Bernie's use of the word socialism loosely and vaguely, it depoliticizes the masses. So what does depoliticization mean? What do we have to do about it? Depoliticization means that the masses become convinced that politics are unimportant to their struggles, that political struggles do not change society, 
and that ideological or other social and identity-based struggles are the ways in which we will actually improve upon and change the relationships within society today. We need to combat this and we need to do it in ways that politicize, that raise the consciousness of, and connect the dots between the way in which society is ruled for the people. We do this by actively involving the people in political struggles. We have uh, demonstrations, we have boycotts, we have strikes, we participate in elections, we send out petitions, we uh, hold study and teach-ins, we uh, raise funds for uh, mutual aid, and we uh, do food drives and things like that. Uh, We use every opportunity that is in front of us to point out the fact that the masses themselves are not in control of their destiny, and they are certainly not in control of the means of production. They're not in control of their own economy, and they're not in control of their politics and in their government. And that needs to change. That is why and that is what politicization of the masses is and why it is needed. So in summing this all up, my friends, we as communists need to organize on a truly action-based line. We need to organize on a revolutionary line which says that we need complete and dramatic change. We need to organize for a system which places the rule of the many, the needs of the majority, the working class and oppressed people themselves in charge of their own society, in charge of the, their own govern, government, excuse me, sorry. Um, we as communists need not just be speaking on this, but again, need to be organizing. We need to be building. We need to be creating community. And we need to be bringing people together in solidarity. Not solidarity in words. Not solidarity because, oh, I feel bad for this person. Not charity, but solidarity. Solidarity meaning me and you are struggling the same. Me and you are struggling for the same things. Me and you struggle both in different forms, but because of the same thing. Because you and I are the exploited. Because you and I are the oppressed. Because you and I are the ruled over many. Not the ruling class few. And there's many other reasons why we're oppressed. We're oppressed because of our, you know, skin colors. Because of our sexual orientations. Because of our genders. All of that, right? And this is where it's important to understand. All of that would be nonsensical. Would have no true power or purpose in an egalitarian society where everyone is equal, where everybody has what they need, where the needs of the many are put before the needs of the few, and especially before the wants and the interests of the few. 
all of these struggles against racism, against sexism, against transphobia, against police violence, against imperialism, would serve no purpose if we did not have a system where there are those who have and those who have not. That's plain and simple. When society is split between those who own and those who labor, this is where race, this is where sex and gender, this is where sexual orientation and and other different identities become important to capitalize on because by capitalizing on those things, by dividing the people into these atomized groups, the ruling class makes it that much more difficult for the working class to come together to organize and to be united under the same banner and for the same struggle. But this class struggle is precisely which will end the uh, discrimination of and the oppression of these different identities and these different groups. Because united on a class line united in arms and united in action, we are stronger than any other force in existence. The oppressed and exploited people outnumber the exploiters and the oppressors by a million fold. The only thing that's stopping us from changing the society as it exists is us. The only thing that is stopping the world from changing is us not changing the world. Now, it won't be easy. Now, it won't come in a snap of the fingers. It won't even come in one action or in one organization or in one country. It will, become, it will come because the whole of a nation unite and wage a socialist struggle. And then the whole of the socialist countries of the world come together to wage a world socialist struggle. And then it will come as the world's socialist powers unite to finally eradicate inequality and class antagonisms in favor of a world communist society. Now, this is generations down the line, but we must know that we are the stepping stools. We are the stones that people are to walk on to get to the place that we want to be. And it is by the actions that we take today that those who come after us can capitalize on, can learn from, and can build with in order to bring this revolution to a much higher place of organization. But first and foremost, we have to have a revolution. First and foremost, we need to be organizing for a revolution. And first and foremost, we need to recognize that revolution is in fact what we need. Because it is only revolution that will eradicate and spray at the very base of the fire, which is burning all of us, which is burning all of us alive, which is burning our earth to the ground. We must understand that it is revolution that will bring the ruling class to its knees, that will strip it of its power, of its force, of its economic and political domination of its exploitation ability. Revolution is the only thing that will put the very people themselves, the very oppressed and exploited masses themselves, in charge of creating a new system based off of the benefit of the many, based off of the exploitation 
of the few based off of the oppression of as few as possible and working towards ending oppression outright. But before we can do that, we have to develop, we have to build socialist societies, we have to create dictatorships of the proletariat, and we have to actually work towards erasing the inequality and the inconsistencies between the ruling class and the working class. If you are still listening to this, I want to say thank you very much. I hope you have a lovely day. Please check out my social media on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please, for whatever reason, if you want to reach out, either DM me there or email me at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. No caps or spaces there. I hope you folks have a lovely day. I hope you folks are staying safe and staying revolutionary getting organized and building socialism because this is precisely what we need my friends and this is the only thing that will save the masses of exploited people from true and utter devastation those of us who have yet to get to that point and those of us who are at that point who are crying out and asking that they not be left to die the only thing that will bring us to a point where we can save them is revolution is organization is socialism and is solidarity. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, folks. We'll see you next time.